Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the 5 to 9 Show. I'm your host, Aiden Dunn. And I'm your co-host, Andrew Curielason. Here at 5 to 9, we aim to bring on guests who don't work the ordinary 9 to 5 desk job. We will spark unconventional conversations with the founders of nonprofits. We will dive deeper into the world of sports with pro athletes. Listen to the adventurous tales of well-traveled backpackers. I mean, come on. Let's just say we got it all here at 5 to 9. So, if you haven't already stopped listening... You're in for a treat. We're fired up. We hope you are as well. Let's get into today's guest on the 5 to 9 show. We're going, Andrew. First episode, 5 to 9. Uh, we're excited. We got Mr. Harders joining us as the first guest ever going down the history books. Um, Mr. Harders enlisted in the U.S. Navy in 1987. He served 16 years in the enlisted ranks as an aviator and rescue swimmer, both in the SH-2F Sea Spirit helicopter and the SH-60B Seahawk helicopter, amassing over 3,000 hours in both models. His initial deployment to Operation Desert Storm included completing 58 combat missions, logged 110 combat flight hours, and destroyed 14 enemy floating mines, earning the Combat Air Medal. After being selected as a Chief Petty Officer in September of 2001, and then commissioned as an officer in 2003, he spent the final 14 years in numerous leadership assignments culminating serving in the space program at the National Reconnaissance Office. Mr. Harders completed 11 deployments over the course of his 30-year career and retired from the U.S. Navy as a Lieutenant Commander in July of 2016. Always a collector of things, he started early in life collecting both coins and beer cans. As years passed, his passions grew in the antique world, and he has been a serious collector and dealer of all things petrolia and automobilia, mainly concentrating today on rare automobilia, classic cars, and motorcycles. He now serves as Chief Executive Officer of the Red Horse Motor Club and continues his passions in the antique world. So with that, we're, we're honored to have you today talk a little bit about um your passion for collections and so first of all how are you i'm i'm good thank you thank you for the intro i haven't heard that in quite a while since <laughs> i retired well it's um, truly a remarkable it, one yeah it brings back a lot of good memories i i love serving our great country in uh 30 years in the navy it was a it was a blast uh i i miss a lot of it i don't miss some of it but i miss a lot of it and um and uh it's good it's good to hear it brings back good memories Good. Thank you for your service. So, Mr. Harders, 5 to 9 is all about hearing the firsthand accounts of people who pursue their various passions without working the typical 9 to 5 desk job. In addition to owning the Red Horse Motoring Club, you travel around the country looking to buy and sell collectible items, whether they be beer cans or automobiles. Um, and as Aiden mentioned you in your bio, you do have a truly remarkable background in the military. So we are very grateful for the opportunity to talk with you about your travels and where your love for automobiles and memorabilia originated. And so with that, could you please share some additional information about your background and what got you into collecting automobilia and other various items? Yeah. Um, so when you start talking about collecting and, and, uh, and the antique world, I guess I, I say to a lot of people, you either have the collecting gene or you don't, right? Mm -hmm. Like people that collect and are crazy like me, you get it, you love it, you know, everything's about like the greatest find, what's the next find. And then people that don't have the collecting gene just like look at you like you're nuts, right? 
So yeah. whether no, no matter what it is, no matter what you're collecting, and I collect several things. I love all antiques, and we have we have you know our houses uh, spattered with antiques everywhere. But I concentrate on one or two you know kind of uh, things in my life now that that I find enjoyment with. But looking back, like you think like, well, how did all that start? And I I have no idea. You know, I really <laughs> don't. I, I, I think it's just like, like I said, you either, you're, you either have that gene or you don't. And I remember from the youngest age collecting coins, I started out collecting coins and uh, I just loved it. I just, I loved it. Me and my buddy would go up to the bank and buy like 20 bucks worth of pennies and try to like in the rolls, you know what I mean? This is old school stuff and go through the rolls and try to find an old World War II penny or something. And I just love the thrill of that. And it just never ended. I, I collected beer cans and I love those. And, you know, and then in later, later in life, you know, that uh, as you go through high school, that all stopped and you're just, you know, you're having fun and getting through life in high school and stuff. And then I joined the military and um, after uh, like initial training and life kind of settles down after you kind of like start living a real life in the military, I started collecting militaria like uh, war rifles and swords and daggers and helmets and all. And I got into restoring old rifles, which I loved. And that was kind of like a new kind of kind of kind of feeling, like taking something old and making it beautiful again. And I really dug that. I mean, taking an old piece of junk rifle that just looked like crap and, you know, breaking it down, steaming the wood, like all the stuff you learn once you start getting into something like and restore it. And the, the end result six weeks later is this gorgeous thing, no matter what it is. And that's a real charge in life to me. And it still is. I, I do less and less restoring because the funny thing is in, in the automobile world, uh, you know, 15 years ago, if you found a cool gas pump, you'd immediately restore it. And now I really appreciate the original condition of things. And my whole collection is, is original paint, everything. I don't, I don't, I don't want a restored car. I don't want a restored motorcycle. I want everything original paint. Uh, Cause as the saying goes, it's only original ones. Um, and, and, and so now I do very few restorations. I just really hunt really, really awesome patinaed up cool pieces that have never been touched. And, and it's actually, it's, it's, it's a challenge now. It really is because in the last, I'd say six, seven, eight years, a lot of the guys that would have restored things a long time ago are not restoring things and they're hunting the original stuff. So, you know, original stuff's getting really, really difficult to find and and in like some realms like early mo motorcycles you know an original paint harley knucklehead will bring 30 grand more than a restored one you know and just seven eight nine years ago you'd laugh at that you know and and now guys will pay a, an absolute premium for original paint and or originality so um i think i was in the beginning uh, of that in the automobilia world of gas pumps and stuff like that I don't know that I was in the beginning of that with motorcycles, but um, so that's like a kind of a new trend in my realm of automobilia. Um, but that's kind of how I started and, and it's just never ended really. Um, I got away from military at some point in my, my military life. And then I, I really didn't know antiques in my military life for probably 15 years, 16, 17 years, because I was just, you know, I was being a military man and deploying all the time. And really had no time for antiques or anything else in life, to be honest with you. Um, and then I um, I went to Jim Thorpe one 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 day out of the blue. I was stationed, I think, in Jacksonville, Florida, and I was up here seeing my family. And 
I was in Jim Thorpe and I was walking down the street and in a window was an antique gas pump. And I just, I saw that thing and I looked at it and I was like, that is like the coolest thing I've ever seen. And it was art deco. I mean, it was gorgeous. It was a beautiful, like old antique, but it was a gas pump, you know, it's also functional. And, and I just, I was blown away by it. And, and you know, when you're a collector, all of a sudden, you know, three years later, I own 50 gas pumps and a whole bunch of signs and, you know, it just never ends. Um, uh, but that passion's never left. I still love it. I still love, uh, you know, anything, anything early advertising is really what I truly love right now. Early, early. I like the teens, preteens, you know, certainly pre-war 39 and before is really my passion of, of gas pump signs, all that kind of stuff. And if you go over to Red Horse Motoring Club, I don't know if you guys have ever been there in Pottstown, but um, the building's filled with all this stuff. So it's really cool. I get to bring, you know, my collection to people that would not normally see this kind of stuff. So it's really, it's really cool for me. Yeah, that's awesome. And the concept of the Red Horse Motoring Club's a unique one too, because we went on, we haven't been in person, but we went on the website and checked it out and it really is cool. But it's also really interesting that people can use that space um, to, to store their, their motorcycles and their antique cars as well. So it's a cool um, communal collection in a way too. Yeah, absolutely. And it gives me a new charge all the time because like, I'm so used to this stuff, right? Right. Like, like my garage at home is filled with this stuff and I, I've just had this stuff in my life for so long, but now I go up to Red Horse and I, I hang out for the night and someone new comes in and just flips out <laughs> over this stuff. And they're like, what is all this stuff? And, you know, I get to give them a cool tour and, and show them all this stuff. And it's a, you know, it just revitalizes you in your collecting, you know, kind of passion in life. And, uh, right. and and other people get to enjoy it, yeah. Yeah, Mr. Awesome. Hardy, I got a question for you. Is there a uh, is there like a gold mine anywhere in the United States where it's like a hot spot for finding some good stuff for you, or is it yeah. kind of just? Yeah, you gotta you gotta. So the gold mine really for all the for the you gotta think about you know where was the industry right? So if you're gonna hunt antiques, where was where were those antiques? And like all my, my fellow collectors in the Midwest and on the West Coast will, will tell you that, that we're sitting in it right now. Pennsylvania, New York, Ohio, you know, this kind of tri-state area was really the hub in the early years for the, for, for the industrial age. And a lot of it still comes out of here. There's still great finds all the time coming out of here. Um, so we're really living in it, you know, and, and there's a lot of guys like I, I got a great buddy. He's, he's a retired colonel in in denver and you know he just flips out every month when i find something great and he's like oh my god there's none of that stuff out here you know so we're, we're kind of spoiled on the east coast um you know and then i think on the west coast like you know the 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 early industrialized cities like la and you know different cities that that the populations were at they got a little bit of it but but nothing tops the east coast so um to answer your question i think we're sitting in the gold mine of it in the uh pennsylvania new york connecticut you know ohio kind of area is that yeah. what uh yeah. is that kind of what made you settle down in potsdam then uh, no, no it's not it's um so i retired in 2016 from the navy and i i came home uh my mother's here and i wanted to be around my family again and i had i had had the the idea of red horse uh, um, for years and years and years in my head, um, as I was decorating, you know, you know, fellow collectors, warehouses and private buildings, 
I always had the idea of, well, how can I do this where, you know, other people can enjoy it, not mega millionaires that have these giant buildings that nobody gets to see, um, which I was decorating for years and years as an antique dealer. But how do we do it to where like kind of the average guy could enjoy it? And so I just kept going around and around in my head and talking with buddies and stuff about the Red Horse concept. And then after I moved up here, after I retired, I met uh, uh, a young guy named Steve Everett, uh, who's a, a young kid and a businessman and a real go-getter. And um, uh, just by family coincidence, I met him and we hit it off. And he had already been doing uh, several projects in Pottstown. I knew absolutely nothing about Pottstown. I, I never even heard of it. You know what I mean? I left here when I was 18. <laughs> I knew my little world down here by the airport where I lived in Essington. And then I left. Um, but Steve and his, his partner, Dan Glennon, uh, had already bought several buildings in Pottstown and really believed in the revitalization that was coming to Pottstown. Um, and then they had purchased the building that we're now in, the old Ludwig Motors building, um, and were, weren't sure what they were going to do with it. But Steve knew of my idea of Red Horse, so we just kept talking and talking. And uh, once I looked into the the car scene in Pottstown is so robust and uh, has such a great history uh, with the car shows on High Street and, you know, it's just a really, really strong car scene up there. We decided to do it up there. So, so it was really my partner, Steve Everett, that brought Red Horse to Pottstown, not me. Okay. Awesome. I have a quick question. I really like the name and I'm not uh, like totally into cars or motorcycles or anything. So is there an origin behind the name of, of the Red Horse Motoring Company? Well, it's, it's, it's kind of, I, I, you know, when you're starting to think about a business, like, what do you call it? You could kill yourself for years trying to think of a name, right? <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and a bunch of people like beat me up about it. And, um, you know, so I'm an avid sign collector and um, I love the, the mobile red horse, right? So the, maybe the most iconic gas and oil symbol in America is the red horse. That's the mobile Pegasus. So I, I, I had some, some of them in my collection, of course. And, um, and then the other side of it was, so I started thinking about that red horse. And then the other side of it is, uh, the horse side of it is you, when you start looking at uh, cars, you, everyone thinks, well, there's one horse on a car, the Ferrari. But mm -hmm. when you really start looking into it, there's been dozens and dozens and dozens of cars that had horse emblems on them. Uh, so, you know, you know, in the beginning years, everyone had horses and carriage and buggies and then transitioned to the automobile, that love of, of the horses kind of came with the automobiles. So it's kind of a mix of maybe the red horse, uh, symbol of the sign and the transition of coming from the horse into the automobile that was in my, my, my wacky brain when I thought of red horse. Uh, and it just stuck and uh, enough people liked it to say, okay, let's just roll with Red Horse. And I love it. You know, it, it's a good name for me and I enjoy it. And I like the background of what it, uh, how I thought about it and, uh, and it stuck. That's awesome. And, and just as a, a little follow-up to the conversation we had earlier about location, you said the PA is one of the gold mines. Is there any other place in the country that you're hoping to get to like if right now today you could go um to one specific place uh to go collect what would that place be and why <laughs> well I've, I've got a lot of desires of where i want another red horse to be across the country but uh collecting wise you know some of the big cities are really what you shoot for like chicago detroit you know there's robust 
uh, stuff there because they were they they were large cities in the early years in the early 1900s. So it seems that every time I hit Chicago, I score good stuff, hmm. and it seems that I every time I hit Detroit, I hit really good stuff. So they're always a kind of go-to when I get on the road. I was on the road last month for just by coincidence. I got on the road and raided a bunch of collections. I did 3,600 miles in four days and just was jumping collection to collection to collection. It was awesome. And that, I haven't had the ability to do that in a while, which is, you know, that's the fun getting out there and hunting and seeing what you can score. And, you know, you, you end up in some old timers farm digging through a barn and, I mean, and, and, and I, I did exactly that in like two degree weather out in Ohio for like nine hours with this old timer. It was great, but he had cool stuff and I bought stuff off him. And, you know, that, that's, the, that's the love of all this. Once you start a business, you know, that life seemingly is very difficult to, to keep going, right? Because you're just focused on your business uh, model and strategy and being successful. But um, I still love getting out there and and um, I do love, I, I, I did several times, I, I like interviewing elderly collectors yeah. and I, I have some on my YouTube page and, uh, you know, it's not much, it's just for my love of doing it. I, I, I might have two viewers. I don't know. I don't really look at it. Don't care, but we'll have I to love check it. it out. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I love, I love um, going out and interviewing elderly collectors. They're awesome. They were like collecting in the heyday of collecting. And uh, they got these incredible stories, and, and uh, I love doing that too. So when I meet uh, when I meet elderly guys, I always try to get them to do a, a little interview with me. And uh, it's funny because like we love doing this this stuff, you know, the the younger guys. And I'm, I'm probably twice your age. I'm 52, but the 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 older generation, the guys that are in their 80s, are like, ah, nah, the hell with that. They don't want they want nothing to do with it, you know. And I'm like, come on, man, you got these great stories. Let's talk about it, you know. And every once in a while, I talk a guy into doing it. And then we have a blast when we do it, you know. It's yeah, just a awesome. matter of getting them to try to open up, you know. <laughs> right. Where do, where do you find these people when you're going on the road? Is there like a like a website or something like that where you find them? Or do you just... No, no you just got to have... Um, so, like, a lot of people ask me that. Like, do you just get on the road and start looking? And, and the reality is no. I think some guys still do that. You know, you just drive down country roads and knock on a door. I don't have that kind of time in my life, you know? So um, in the beginning years, when I was doing this on the side, I was still in the Navy and on weekends, I'd go out and hunt and just drive past old buildings and knock up and stuff. I used to do that all the time. Now I kind of jump from collector to collector and, you know, I'll start out with, oh, I know these three different collectors in Ohio. Let me hit them up. And then you go there and go, hey man, you know, what's around here? And, you know, oh, old, old farmer Johnson has a, pump out back but he won't sell it to you you know and i'm like oh well there's my today's challenge you know what i mean and go hit him up and then try to pick his brain and you'd be surprised once you start talking to people you know what you can find um but going out blindly unfortunately i don't have that kind of time in my life anymore that's fair do you think there's any point where it's simply like too much stuff or is that like not even a thought of yours no, not even a thought of it. I buy stuff like my wife just, you know, jokes on me and busts my you know what's all the time. Yep. I buy stuff all the time and I have no idea how I'm getting it home. I have no <laughs> it it doesn't fit in my garage. I have no idea how it's gonna fit. I don't care. If it's cool, I'm getting it. You know what I mean? Like, I love it. Yeah. That, that's, that's a that's a secondary, you know, effect of collecting. And hell, sometimes you're like, I can't even afford this. You know what I mean? Like, like <laughs> I don't even have the money for this, but I'm going to make a deal on it and I'm going to figure out how to get it. You know, if it's I, that good, 
You don't leave without. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I'd like to hear a story about like a time when you did find yourself with an item where you're like, how, like, this is cool. I'm going to buy this, but how do I get this home? Like, what was that like? (laughs) Like you have to have a couple of those where it's well, just like there's no way I this do, is coming back. I home. do, and I, I get I I've gotten away from it because like sometimes like I'd buy stuff for a long time and then you're like, all right, well, I'll get it at some point. You know, it's sitting in a barn uh, in Idaho. And then like three years later, I'd get a call from a stranger and he'd be like, Yo, man, you're gonna pick this damn sign up. And I'm like, Who are you? You know, I don't even know who it is. Like you bought a sign from me three years ago and I've never heard from you. I'm like, oh my gosh. So then I got to get on the road with a big flatbed or something. Um, I'm, I'm trying, I bought a 36 foot Chevrolet neon out of a farm in uh, Virgi- West Virginia once. And I had no idea how to do it. I bought it. It stayed there for a while. And then that like guy called him and like, yo dude, we're selling the farm. You got to come and get this beast. And I had to contract an 18 wheeler and a bunch of stuff. It was a nightmare, um, but I got it home, and now that's in a in a pretty pretty serious collection in Los Angeles. And that guy, the funny thing is, that's like one of the only guys out there that collects, collects like mega huge signs. His whole entire warehouse is giant 30 and 40 foot neons. Um, but I can't I can't specifically think of what like a a, a problem with picking up something it was more of a problem of making deals and then forgetting about it and then getting calls later yeah that is <laughs> from, from people that i don't even remember i made deals with <laughs> do you find it do you find it uh difficult to get people to sell or normally are they pretty lenient if you if you give them the right price or sell what, what do you normally yeah. find yeah so um that brings up several kind of interesting conversations like the, one of the main conversations is like the American pickers. Um, so the, the effect of the American pickers, you know, show, and, and there's really two kind of camps. One is like, Oh, well, they, you know, they ruined it for us and blah, 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 blah. And then that, I'm not in that camp. You know, they, uh, my, my take is um, they, they've, they've highlighted what we collect and how we do it, and what life's like on the road and trying to score stuff and being an antique dealer. The downside to it, I think the one downside to it is people watch that show and then think everything that they have is worth, you know, $20,000, you know, and I've been in many, many situations where a guy's got a $300 gas pump and he thinks it's worth nine grand, you know, well, I saw one like that on the American Pickers and I'm like, yeah, well, the American Pickers aren't here. It's a $300 gas pump and I'll give you 300 bucks. If not, see you later. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think that effect has happened, but I, I think the American pickers effect, and, and I, I, I know those guys, um, the, the American pickers effect is, is, is a good effect in the antique world to me. Um, it's, it's, it's brought a, a, a visibility to our collecting that, that would, was never there before. Um, and I think it gives some reality you, you know, to, to, to being a dealer, like in the last like six, seven, eight years, the numbers in what I deal with in an automobile and petroleum has gotten so crazy. A lot of young guys thought they were going to jump in this and like, Ooh, I'm going to get rich selling signs. And then they have no idea what they're doing. They have no, no art of, uh, of selling things. Like there's an art to selling something. I don't care what it is. And the old saying of, well, if it's good enough, it'll sell itself. That's kind of true, but it's kind of not true. You know what I mean? Like a great thing should sell itself, but you still have to sell it. And right. you still have to talk someone into pulling, you know, 
15 grand out of their pocket and giving it to you. And there's an art to that. And uh, we went through a wave in my field of, of kind of young, I'll call them young bucks, young bucks jumping in and thinking they were going to get rich. And a lot of them are gone. Some of them did it right and are still here, but uh, a lot of them lost their butt. And, um, and, and, and the cold reality of this, there, there's some talent to this and there's some, some art in this uh, uh, hit them uh, boldly and, and they weren't prepared for. Mm. Interesting. You mentioned something about like how some of your items are in other people's collections. You mentioned one in Los Angeles. So how does that process work? Like, do you still own those items or did you sell them off to people who have collections? No, 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 no. I, saw, I sold, sold them off, you know, okay. so just different guys that have great collections. You know, I, 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 they come to me for good stuff. I deal in like really rare stuff and I don't really deal in like the lower grade stuff anymore. So I really strive to hunt that really great piece if i go into a collection now and there's let's say there's 300 pieces in there i try to score the three best pieces you know what i mean i could okay. you know let's say you got five grand in your pocket or 50 grand in your pocket doesn't really matter you got a scheme when once you get in there what i'm going to go for i could buy 30 you know low grade signs for 100 bucks a piece or i could buy one great piece that's worth you know 10 grand or 20 grand I shoot for the great pieces now because that's really what my client base is and that's what they want. Awesome. And, and so with that, then when, when you sell that off, has there any that were like, can you think of one that was really hard to part ways with? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, first of all, as a, so I'm not just a dealer, right? Okay. There's, there's, there's kind of different people out there too. There's some guys that are just dealers and all they care about is the buck, right? And, right. and good for them. I don't care. It doesn't bother me at all. You're just a dealer. You're just trying to make a buck. I'm not that guy. I'm a collector. So every single thing I sell is painful and I hate doing it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I do it to fund my next great piece for my collection, right? I'm, I'm, that's just the way it is. I'm a retired military man. I'm not wealthy. So if I want a great piece, I got to sell three or four pieces to help fund that great piece. Right. Um, I owned, so I'll tell you about a great piece. I owned um, it right, right after World War II, Rolls-Royce. Uh, you know, they, they built a lot of the engines for the aircraft and Rolls-Royce had a major role in, in the United Kingdom um, supplying engines and stuff for the, for the war effort. After the war, the United Kingdom commissioned five, or I can't remember now, I haven't thought about it in a while, but <clears throat> excuse me, five or eight um, life-size statues of the Rolls-Royce Spirit of Ecstasy, the, mm -hmm. uh, or, or what most people call the Flying Lady, right? The hood yeah, ornament. The hood ornament, yeah. The hood ornament, the front of the Rolls Royce, the lady with swept back arms with her dress. Um, that was that was done by a guy named Charles Sykes, is the artist. So the the official name of it is Spirit of Ecstasy. So the United Kingdom commissioned five or eight life-size statues of that spirit of ecstasy and gave them to Rolls Royce as a gift for their contributions to the war efforts. And I owned one of them at one point wow. in my collecting life. And it was amazing. Wow. The one I own made the cover of uh, one of the Rolls Royce magazines, and I can maybe supply that to you guys. You could put it up on your your you know wherever people can look that at would it. Be great, yeah, yeah. I owned one, and and, and <laughs> oh my gosh, it just pains me even thinking of it. I I wish I was in my house right now, but um, I you know I did great on it, and uh, it's now in a museum in Canada. Um, so a lot of people again, a lot of people get to enjoy it. Vice just being in you know, some guy's garage. So it's, it's, it's nice, but 
that was one of the most significant pieces I've ever owned. And coincidentally, uh, this past year, um, so Rolls-Royce in the very early years, around 10, 1910 or 11, um, and I'm still doing my research on it, did um, several dealership statues that were kind of like the one I'm talking about, but they weren't life-size. They were bigger than the normal bronzes, like dealership bronzes, but they were like half life-size. They were maybe like three foot, three and a half foot. And um, I think they were all nickel, but they sent um, a group of them out over to America, America to the main dealers in America. And when you think back then, it was probably only like five or six cities, maybe Philadelphia, New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, um, so those ones are super, super duper, duper rare. And we believe we found one and I have it right now. And it's, it's actually at the Red Horse Motoring Club. Um, uh, and I bring it out for public events and put it on display right now, but, um, I'm still doing the research on it. And, um, what, once I, I, I truly verify that it's one of the originals from, from, you know, uh, 19, I think 1911, maybe uh then then um i'll decide what to do with it either try to keep it or or uh put it up for sale but it, it's it's uh i've only owned i probably own two or three pieces that i that i consider smithsonian level pieces and that that one is a smithsonian level piece it's a it's an amazing piece of history of automotive history and it's gorgeous it's it's the spirit of ecstasy again on this gorgeous uh, marble pedestal and um, but like, it's like finding a Porsche today, like a really rare Porsche. It, once you find, find it, everyone th thinks that's the end. Well, I said that I found this super rare Porsche. Well, that means nothing. Now you have to get it verified. Yeah. Right. So that all of the world knows that it's actually the real deal. And once you go through that process and, and then it is verified by all the experts, then you have a real item on your hand until you have that verified. No one's really going to touch it if it's that rare until it's verified. And it's almost like the same with this statue. It's so rare that I have to have it verified by the like kind of experts in the Rolls Royce community. Right. And once, and that's not done yet. So once it is done and they verified it and everyone agrees, like all the important people agree that that's one of the uh, original ones. Well, then I got a, you know, then I got really something significant on my hands. So, that's so that's it. There, there's a, a cool what, is, what does the verification process look like? And has anything that you've bought and come back and it turns out that it wasn't, um, like they won't verify it? No, it ha that hasn't happened to me yet. Um, I'm pretty, I've done this for a long time. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at knowing what, what's right and what's wrong. And once you get into this world, kind of like almost any of the other worlds, you know where the fakes are coming out of and yeah. you know where the repops are coming out of. Like right now in the sign world, there's all kinds of fakes coming out of India and Argentina. But if you, if you know, if, if you're an expert, let's say, and I think most people would consider me an expert in that field, you can tell a fake sign. I could tell a fake sign by just like walking by it and glancing at it for one second. And I know it's a fake, you know? So, and then there's other, th like, and then you also know what they're faking. So, um, I've never seen a, a fake of this Rolls Royce statue this size so i don't think anyone has tried to fake it or repop it so that helps the beginning like knowing that nobody's like kind of faking it right now with this that helps just the beginning of the verification but then you you have to go out go out to people that like kind of do what i do but do it in the rolls royce world you know what i mean so i have to reach out to known people 
to 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 get it in front of them and say, hey, check this out for me and tell me what what you believe it to be. Um, but no, I've never been burned. So you know, knock on wood. Thank God, uh, I've never been burned yet. <laughs> That's good. Mr. Harris, I got a few questions, and we do want to be respectful uh, of your time because we know you're a busy guy, so we won't hold you uh, too much longer. But I do have to ask, being an avid uh, watcher of American Pickers, I saw a picture of you and uh, Robbie on Instagram. Can you tell me that story? Uh, well, Robbie and I are good buddies. Uh, Robbie's, a, Robbie's a serious collector, and uh, he's a serious uh, – he's a dealer. I think I'd consider him as mu- um, a collector as much as a dealer. Um, he's a super, super good guy. Um, uh, him and Robbie and I have done many, many deals together. I buy off him. He buys off me. I sell off him. Um, and, uh, I don't know what picture it was, but, um, uh, recently I sold him an original Carlo DeMond, um, illustration of a Harley Davidson. It might've been that, um, I scored a whole bunch of original, uh, artwork from a guy named Carlo DeMond, maybe, you know, one of the most prolific artists in the last hundred years in, in the automobile world. And, uh, Robbie scored a great piece of his off, off me. Um, but like collectors, uh, a lot of the times you get out on the road and people hear that you're on the road and it kind of brings us back to the conversation we had before, like Robbie will call me up. We'll see that I'm on the road and I'll go, Oh, Hey, I have an animated cow in Idaho sitting in his collection are you going by there you know what i mean and then like yeah, yeah. four days later i'm picking up a, like an animated cow for him you know what i mean it's like yeah. it's, <laughs> it's the it's the wacky collectors that you know the circuit across the country um but you know the american picture pick, pickers th- those guys are awesome you know um i always engage with people about that if they bring it up and people oh that show blah 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 it's fake it's like well well it's, some of it's fake i wouldn't consider it fake it's some of it's staged. Yeah, of course. Would you sit and watch a TV show where one guy's driving down one road for 19 hours straight and finds nothing? No. <laughs> you, you know, you, you have to have some things lined up to have a, a TV show. So, but um, I love the show and I watch it all the time. And, 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 um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm close with Robbie and, and, and I can tell you hands down, he's, he's one of the best collectors out there. He's a straight shooter and he, his word is, everything and and uh i have a great time dealing with them and for, just to, uh clarify for some of the listeners out there robbie is mike's brother correct yeah exactly yeah yep. okay yeah rob robbie's mike's brother and it depends on what shoot they're doing a lot of times he's out there with the girl and mike and frank are you know somewhere else and robbie and uh danny are raiding another collection or something but yes he's he's uh he's mike's brother gotcha interesting and then in the same vein like do you have any travel partners? I mean, you've formed some special relationships along the way, but is this something that you do by yourself? Um, like you enjoy that quiet or do you go out looking for things with, you know, close friends that you've developed? No, nah, I, I rarely go with anybody. One, so I retired at 48 years old, right, from the military. Yep. And, and it's awesome. I love it. I'm a young man, right? You guys think I'm an old man, but I'm a young man overall in life. At 48 years old, you retire and you very quickly realize that nobody else is retired, right? <laughs> like everybody else is working until they're 65. So you're on your own doing almost everything because everyone's working. Um, so no, I, I go out on my own almost all the time. But my, my wife, Trish, goes out when she can. Um, and, I, and I love when she's with me because we have fun and 
I try to make it not a grind. And if we're going through a city, we stop for a few days and enjoy that city and have some fun. But, awesome. um, and she likes Raiden collections a little bit, not, not as much as me. Like I'll go down a gopher hole for six hours in a, in a farm field to like find something cool. She's, she ain't that crazy, you know, but, um, <laughs> she doesn't mind the collecting world and, and she does enjoy finding cool stuff, but no, I'm usually on my own and, and I don't care. You know, most military guys are, we're somewhat of loners, you know, you, you deploy for six months. I did it 11 times in my life and you're on your own a lot. And, uh, it's never bothered me. It doesn't bother me now. Like I said, last month I was on the road for 3,600 miles on my own. I don't care, whatever. I'll, 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 I'll roll out by myself any day. It doesn't bother me. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Mr. Hardish, we do want to thank you very much, uh, for joining us here today. It was great to hear some of your picking stories. Really interesting. Because um, I know for me, I'm, I'm kind of a guy who's trying to get rid of things. Uh, I don't like a lot of stuff. <laughs> to hear the other yeah. side of it, it's pretty interesting. Um, so thank you. But um, we, we do want to just ask quick, you know, I, and give you a plug. Um, you know, I, I live on the Hills campus. Both sides of Aiden's family were born and raised in Pottstown. So with that being said, again, we're thankful um, for the work that you've done. And if, if you want to maybe put in like a quick plug, um, for the Red Horse Motoring Company, that would be awesome. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So those that, if you haven't been there, you know, get in touch with us. We're online. We have a website, all that stuff. You'll find a number for me or, um, you know, maybe, maybe my manager, but uh, Red Horse Motoring Club, it's in the old Ludwig Motors um, building, uh, Chrysler Dodge dealership that opened in 1921. We took the building and converted it into a private club membership base. You could be a member and, and, uh, uh, get to use the facility and have fun there. And um, so if you haven't been to Red Horse Motoring Club, come on by and check us out. And then the second part of it is, is we, we took over, uh, we, we were awarded the permit for the car show downtown um, a year and a half ago, uh, which we now call Pottstown Nights. And it's the first Saturday of the month, starting in May and goes through uh, September or October. We went to October last year, the borough let us do one in October. So the first Saturday of the month, right downtown on High Street, we're doing a car show, and um, we've 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 made a lot of changes to it to make make it fun for everybody. There's no entry fee, and you know we have beer gardens down there, and we have uh, you know it's a, it's really a lot a lot of cool stuff going on downtown Pottstown. So look forward to the I think it's May second, maybe the or May first or May second is the first Saturday this year. Um, I think the borough so far is allowing us to do it. Um, we have, we have to really push the mask thing and make sure everybody's wearing a mask, but, uh, and we, this year we're going to do an honoree for each car show, uh, and kind of host, uh, someone coming in. That's a, a great, uh, guy to have there. And we haven't announced who it is yet, but we, we're bringing in one of the best car customizers in the country right now. And he will be there with several, um, of his custom cars and several of his clients, custom cars that he's built for people. And we'll be right, uh, right on High Street with a, with an amazing uh, crew of people. And look, look, uh, maybe follow our Instagram at Red Horse Motoring, and we'll announce soon who that person is going to be for the first show. Um, but we're, we, we we take it very serious. That car show has a great history in in um, Pottstown, going back to the 1950s, and uh, our responsibility in running it properly and making it a great event for Pottstown. We take very very seriously and. Uh, we're working very hard to to have an awesome show circuit this year, and we hope to uh, have it every 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 month. We hope to have it. We will have to mask up and do all the COVID things that we need to do, but we want 
people to come out and have fun and check out some cool cars. Awesome. Thank you so much, sir. This was a lot of fun for us. Um, and we appreciate your time. Have a good one. All right, guys. Thank you. I appreciate the time too. Take care now. Hey, have a good one. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. So Aiden, we had a nice podcast with Mr. Harders from the Red Horse Motor Club. What were some of your, your key takeaways? One thing I really uh, appreciated was his authenticity um, and his genuine passion for collecting um, automobilia. What do you think? I think it was nice uh, how he opened the Red Horse to allow people who aren't like the filthy rich, as he mentioned, like who aren't decorating their house with the antiques, but yet they can still come and enjoy it. That was nice. Yeah. One of my favorite stories that he mentioned was just like going out and buying cars and gas, like old fashioned gas pumps. And then he buys them. He forgets to pick them up or he doesn't know how to get them home. But I think that just shows how much he enjoys going out, driving on the road. He says, you know, sometimes he just ends up driving to Idaho and he buys a car um, unexpectedly. And so his thought process of how he's going to bring that home doesn't cross his mind um, when he's actually buying it, which I thought was uh, interesting. Well, today was today's episode was a lot of fun. I certainly, um, it's good to get one in the books, Aiden. Hopefully, we'll we'll get some more cool people. But huge thank you to Mr. Harders for uh, joining us and uh, being real with us. Yep, that wraps it up for the first episode of Nine to Five. Thank you for joining us. Five to nine. That wraps up the first episode of Five to Nine. Thanks for listening.